the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at Nissan.ie. Welcome back to the Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cudahy with you until seven o'clock. It is that time of the week when Tom Dunn joins us to talk about the week in music. So first up, we'll take a listen to this. Now I'm a union man, amazed at what I am. I say what I think that the company stinks. Yes, I'm a union man. When we meet in the local Oh, I always had you pegged as a lefty. You're red under the bed, Tom. Why am I listening to that? Uh, you're on to me, Kieran. You're on to me. Yeah, <laughs> for all this time, there's never been a union for artists in Ireland. Until now, that is. A, a company called, well, an organisation called Praxis have opened up, and their aims is to unite all artists, visual artists, theatre, literature, comedy, dance, circus, you name it. They'll be getting us all together to improve living and working conditions. It's a huge sector, it really is. And, and there's very there's no representation for most people in it. And it's not the case in Germany. It's not the case in Holland, you know. So it's nice to see us uh, catching up in, in this area. For instance, I think one of the really big ones is art, the Arts Council. The Arts Council is responsible for a huge amount of funding to the arts. But how you access that funding is, is a really difficult uh, conundrum. An application can take weeks to put together and at the end of it, you mightn't get it. And and then you've spent maybe three or four weeks during which time you weren't getting paid and now you haven't got that as well. So there is a lot of scope for people to just come in and start to represent people's interests. One of the big things you'll see it time and time again and it really galled people at the beginning of COVID-19 is once you're an artist, you seem to fall to the, the bottom of the pecking order for getting paid. You seem to be the last person who gets paid. And you see you know, artists taking to Twitter and saying, you know, I did this job a year ago and it's a corporate job and they're a huge corporation. Why haven't they paid me? And you hear that time and time again. And then when COVID-19 kicks in, a lot of those organisations say, well, sure, we can't pay now. And then, you know, artists are sitting there going, I did this a year ago. I did this a year ago. I'm not getting paid. So there's loads of issues that would drive artists crazy. And I think an organisation, this new organisation, practice to represent them and, and try and just you know, bring a bit of common sense to bear and a little bit of, of doing the right thing to bear for, for people who are dealing with artists is long overdue. So um, anybody can apply to join us now. And the first thing they're going to try and tackle is, is that that whole thing of access to grants. As you know, the, the Arts Council mm. recently put 50 million in place for, for live music. So for those bands who want a bit of help with access to that, I think it's huge. Artists are an odd breed. They're the worst people are getting a good deal for themselves. And the minute they arrive to deal with, whether it's a booking agent or a record company, whoever, the first offer is normally around 1% of what they're due. Uh, and it just seems to be the way. And very often they're just so happy to be to be working in that area, they take whatever's on the table. And, you know, it's, it's not right. So they've long since been taken advantage of. And I'm very happy to be slipping on the red shirt and, <laughs> and you know, to, to announce quotas and restrictions on everything from now on. <laughs> You know. <laughs> All right. OK, listen, yeah. hopefully good news. Practice. Listen, uh, before we move on, actually, we were speaking about this earlier in the show. We mentioned it. Paul Simon is cashing his chips in and selling the back catalogue. 
Yeah, we see more and more in this one company called, um, I think they're called Prognosis or something like that. I can't, something like that. Uh, they're the ones drive hypnosis. Yeah, prognosis is a different <laughs> kind of fish, isn't it? Um, hypnosis, they're the ones driving this. They have seen, they're like a vulture fund, and they have seen back catalogs as an area which is going to generate income for our artists or for them, rather, for years, decades to come, that we listen to the same 10 pieces of music in all films uh, from now on. So that's it started this kind of gold rush where all of these companies want to get back catalogue. So a lot of older artists like Bob Dylan and Neil Young see this as a huge payday. Bob Dylan got 300 million for his back catalogue. God only knows how much Paul Simon got. Probably not, not something far short of that. And I think a lot of those artists, they're pretty old and I think they're probably thinking, I will be gone and I'm not sure if I want my nephews and nieces fighting over this um, in some unseemly fashion. Maybe just let it go to the professionals. Let them deal with my back catalogue from now on and let my family just enjoy the 300 million that I'm putting in the bank account for them. And, you know, it's win-win there for everybody. All big right. payday though, isn't it? It is a big, big payday and we wish Paul Simon well with it, of course. I'm sure he needs some Spend money. well, Paul. Uh, yeah. uh, listen, uh, uh, time for your uh, album of the week. Take a listen. I was seven in that same field beside me gaff, kicking through the leaves and the grass until two guard a rock up back arms and hands and media crying for your maps. And this is no dramatics. This is no tales and 90s classics. You spend your whole life being brave and you hope that things will change. So don't ask me why I don't want to age. All right, I don't know what he has against 90s classics, Tom, but what am I listening to? <laughs> That is, the album is For Those I Love. That's the name of the album and the act. It's really a guy called uh, David Balfe, songwriter, producer, vocalist. It's currently vying for number one in Ireland with, I think, Justin Bieber or, or one of those people. And all I can say is I hope it wins. It's a really brilliant album and it, it comes from a place that you probably wouldn't imagine something so powerful and so accessible could come from. He was in a band. He was in various different things uh, growing up with his best friend, Paul Curran. And 18 months ago, Paul took his own life. And uh, after that, Dave locked himself away, wrote 76 songs trying to take into his, his, you know, he's mad about Paul and what he meant to him. 76 songs about their life together and, and growing up and what music had meant to them, what Paul had meant to him. And he's put the best of them, nine songs, into this album. And it is sensational. He's been on Jules Holland. He's been on uh, other voices. And it's, you know, it really what amazes me about it is coming from what seems to be a dark place, it's very uplifting. And the music, as you heard there, is pure like avalanches. It's real stuff you can just dance along with and have the crack. But lyrically, very, very sound, very together, and very often references a lot of the bands that he's a huge fan of, bands like Lazarus Soul and Whipping Boy. And those bands that just mean the world to you and little things that lift you and keep you going when you're down. Um, it's a really, really great album. Easily a contender at this okay. stage. I know it's only Mars. One of the best albums of the year. Wow. And he is Irish. All right, okay. That's a, a yeah. firm thumbs up. Uh, let's take a quick listen to this for your gig of the week. What are Chris Martin and Coldplay up to, Tom? Yeah, um, mentioned Glastonbury last week and they've announced now that on May the 22nd there's going to be a little mini Glastonbury coming live from uh, Worthy Farm. It's going to feature Coldplay, Haim, Damon Alburn, Idols, Yorker Smith, Wolf Alice, Michael Key, Winuka, the brilliant one. And it's going to be filmed at the Pyramid Airfield and for the first time ever at the actual Stone Circle itself. Wow. So if you tune in, yeah, I know, very Stonehenge. If you tune in, it's 23 euro 
Um, it's on at 7 p.m. on the 22nd of May. It's a five-hour uninterrupted live stream interspersed with spoken word narrative and special guests. I think that will be great. Uh, I have to ask the question, where do you stand on Coldplay, Kieran? Oh, you know, when there's cool kids around, I'm all down on them. But if Coldplay come on in the car, do I turn them off? Probably not, Tom. Yeah, probably not. That is the, that is, uh, the story everybody tells. And I was at U2 in, in Croke Park a few years back. And everyone there had seen Coldplay a few weeks back. And they were all the cool kids, you know. And they were all saying quietly to me that Coldplay blew you two off the stage. They were incredible. So I think they're, they're one of those little guilty pleasures. I, I have no guilt about them at all. I think Chris Martin's a great songwriter. He's a bit nerdy. He's not, he doesn't look like a really cool rock star. He, I think he looks like more like a geography teacher. Not that geography teachers aren't cool. Of course they are. <laughs> um, but... Um, I think he's a great little songwriter and, you know, um, don't hold it against him. This wasn't even that cool. So I, I you know, I like Coldplay. There, I've said there. it. There, you've said it. You've, you've, and, I'm you've, not, and I'm not ashamed. You cannot take it back now. Before I let you go nope. then, what's your tip of the week? This is very good. Did you know that Tina Turner was actually the first pick for the colour purple back in 1985 that went on to Oscar fame, as you yeah. know. But instead, she felt the story was too close to her real life. It's a story of an abusive relationship. And she said she didn't want to be any part of that kind of telling that story anymore. Instead, she starred in one of the Mad Maxes, Auntie Energy, if you remember. Yes, so Mad Max 3 Beyond Thunderdome. One of the greats, one of the absolute <laughs> greats. So the story, uh, Tina on Sky Docks tells the story of that life, that life she didn't want to have shown in The Colour Purple, which is 20 years of abuse at the hands of Ike. She left him in 1976 and in the in the divorce settlement, the only thing she wanted to take from him in the divorce settlement was her name, because he had actually picked her name. He'd given her that name when they started off. And that was all she walked away with. And um, it's a great story. And it really leads to the 1984 album Private Dancer, which she said was not a rebirth, but an actual birth. That was the time at the age of 45, she got to see Tina step onto the stage and take control of her own life and her own destiny. It's a very uplifting story. And it's, it's, there's so many great levels to it. One is her voice. I don't think people pay enough attention to what an amazing singer she is. There's such nuance in her voice. She just, she changes every line. No two lines are the same when Tina sings them. She's a really gifted singer. So very uplifting documentary. It's on Sky uh, Documentaries at the moment. And it's wonderful. All right, check it out. Tom, pleasure as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. All right, we'll get the latest news headlines now. Here's Eamon. <laughs> 